Ezekiel 36 and verse 25. I'm going to read a longer portion of Scripture than I would typically read. But I want to give a little bit of context to uh, a certain verse that we're going to get to. Ultimately, I want to get down to verse 37 uh, of Ezekiel 36. And this is a verse that's been on my heart. Uh, I wrote it down a, a few months ago, uh, and it's, it's just been something I've revisited in prayer. And uh, as, as I was preparing for tonight, it, it was almost as if there was just this block. Um, and this, this was the, the only thing that would keep coming to me. And so I, I want to I do what the Holy Ghost would have us to do tonight. Ezekiel 36 and verse 25 it's the Lord speaking through the prophet, and he says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Then you shall keep my judgments and do them. Anybody thankful for what God has made available to you and I? The fact that our, our sinful past can be washed off of us. That God has made a way for us to be clean from our filthiness. To be cleansed from all of our wickedness. And not only did He give us the waters of baptism to have all of that washed away. But He put His Spirit within us. Those statutes of the law, the law of Moses in the Old Testament that they were never able to keep, as Peter says in Acts chapter 15, we, we ourselves were never able to fully obey the law, but God put His Spirit within us to help us, to cause us to walk in His statutes and to keep His judgments and to do them. And he goes on in verse 28 and says this, And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Who are we that God would declare us his people? Who are we that the God of the universe that created all things, that before I was ever even formed in my mother's womb, he knew me and he would call me to be his son. He goes on to say, I will also save you from your uncleanness and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. Now, Pay attention here and begin to write some of these things down or begin to circle some of these things in your Bible because these are great prayers for you to be praying. Everything from here down through the end of this passage that we're going to read is a promise from God or even the first few verses that we read. It was a promise from God that the apostles reached back into the Old Testament and they brought it forward into the New Testament and began to reference it. It began to speak about it. And so we can do the same here tonight. I will 
I will call for the corn and will increase it. I will lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field. That ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall ye remember your own evil ways. And your own doings that were not good. And shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. God help us to hate our own sins. God help us to hate the sinfulness that lurks inside of me. Help me to hate that thing that is inside of me. Help me to despise. I I don't want to coddle my sinful nature. I want to crucify my sinful nature. I want to put it to death daily. Why? So that the spirit that Jesus put inside of me can live and can flourish and can grow and can walk with him. And so God promises you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. He's not saying, look, you're you're always going to dwell in this place of self-hatred. But what he's saying is those sins that you committed, you're not going to look fondly back on them and say, well, I wish I could do this like I used to, but I'm a Christian now and I'm being deprived. No, he's saying, look, you're going to hate what you once were when I make you what I'm going to make you. When my spirit is put down inside of you, there's going to be a despising of what you were, the drinking and the drugs and the the cussing and the addiction to the things of this earth and the, the, the hatred that used to flow through you. You're going to loathe it because you're going to love me. He says, not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord God, be it known unto you. Let me just help you. It's not about you. It's not because you're good. It's not because I'm good. It's not because collectively as the Jesus church were something special or more special than anybody else. Not for your sakes is he going to do this. He wants us to know. He says, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. It's, it's not for us that he's done it. It's for him. It's by his grace and it's in his name and it's for his reputation that he has purchased for himself a people. Thus saith the Lord God in verse 33. In the day that I have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and the wastes shall be builded and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that That was desperate, desolate. And I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus saith the Lord God. Here we go. I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel, to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. Twice 
Previously in the book of Ezekiel, God through the prophet told the elders of Israel, I don't want to hear your voice. I don't want you to make requests. I don't want you to say anything to me. But after the promise of the spirit being poured out, now God speaks to the elders of the people of Israel. And he says, I will yet for this be inquired. What's the this? It's it's for the promise of God to be fulfilled. And God says at the end of the verse, I will increase them with men like a flock. He says, I will yet be inquired of the house of Israel to do it for them. As the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feast, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. What many have called waste, we will call blessed. What many have called a hopeless place or a desolate land, God is telling us tonight, He will yet be inquired of us for it. He will yet have us ask Him for Watertown. He will yet have us to ask him for South Dakota. He will yet have us to ask him for revival in a land that has been hard to work and the ground has been barren and it has been like Flint and it seems like every prayer has just bounced off the surface and it seems like seed has had a hard time getting underneath the surface and it seems like we've been bumping up into it and then backing off of it. But God wants his people to know tonight, uh, you can ask me again. Uh, You can ask me for it. And he says this, uh, I will do it. I will increase them with men like a flock. Matthew 7 and 7 says this, ask and it shall be given you. Seek And ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you which if his son ask bread, he will give him a stone? Now I know that there's such a thing as picky eaters. And there are many parents and young parents and elder parents in this place today that has anybody ever put a rock on their kid's plate for dinner? Anybody? Now don't do it. I'm not giving you any ideas. But if that seems foolish to you, which it would be, when when your kid says, Dad, I'm hungry. And you say, "Here, here, son, have a rock. Or he says, Dad, I I want some fish. Here, son, have a snake. It's preposterous to us. It's, It's ridiculous. It's not what we would do. And Jesus says, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? We either believe that portion of scripture or we do not. We either believe him when he says, ask, seek, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. 
See, a lot of times we'll believe it one time and we'll ask and we'll seek and we'll knock and then it'll seem like the door wasn't opened and so we'll stop asking, we'll stop seeking, we'll stop knocking. I'm, I, I've learned enough as a parent to know sometimes when my kids ask for something, they come up with the craziest ideas. I don't answer every request right away. I need to know how serious they are about what they want. I do that for myself. I could get distracted or pulled into every single hobby. I don't just buy what I want right away. I've got to settle down. I've got to see if it's still a desire. I've got to see if it's something I still want. And God is telling us again tonight, I say it. He's saying, ask me. Ask me and I will do it for you. Building a little bit off of what Bishop preached this Sunday. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this. Without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. But the verse doesn't stop there. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek. And ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Without faith, you're never going to get there. Without faith, you're not going to have the faith to open up your mouth and ask. Without faith, you're not going to have the the amount of, of stick with it that is going to seek for them. Without faith that begins to rise up in your heart, you're not going to stand there and knock even though it seems like the door isn't opening. But God has promised to reward those that diligently seek Him. Reading Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 10. It says, moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, and I know Bishop read this on on Sunday, but we're going to we're going to finish here and then we're going to have a a focused time of prayer in this place tonight. Is that all right? Okay, all right, fantastic. Uh, Or I'm going to have a focused time of prayer and you're all just going to stare at me like I'm crazy. That's okay too. Uh, we'll, We'll make that work as well. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 10, it says, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. What an incredible, incredible option God gave to a a wicked king, Ahaz. Ask me whatever you want. Ask it from heaven. Ask it from earth. Ask it in the depth. Ask it in the height above. But doubt spoke through Ahaz. It was doubt dressed up as pious behavior. And Ahaz says, look, I'm not going to ask, nor am I going to tempt the Lord. It ain't tempting the Lord for you to do what the Bible says you can do. You're not tempting God. You're not being an insolent child. You're not being, you're not being a nagging child when you repeatedly ask God, when his word proclaims to us that we can ask, we can seek, we can knock. His word proclaims to us that we can diligently seek after him. His word tells us that we need to be like the importunate widow that kept pounding on the door of the courtroom to that unjust judge. That's the attitude that God wants us to have when it comes 
to prayer. And God is saying to this church tonight, ask me. I know you've asked before, but I'm telling you, ask me again. Uh, I read one more time from Ezekiel chapter 37. He says, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. Look, I know, I know that there are days, there are moments, there are years where it seems like the heavens are brass and the ground is hard. Anybody ever been there before? I'm not the only one. All right. If anything, last night proved to me in the Holy Ghost that uh, when, when God begins to stir my heart down a path, I'm not the only one. All right. We, we took specific prayer requests last night and virtually every man in this place came forward saying, yes, that's something that I'm dealing with. So I believe that God is going to help us tonight to break through a barrier and to begin to ask again with a renewed fervor and a renewed zeal. This is one of those verses that I would have you just like we did with Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, I would highly encourage you to write down Ezekiel 36 and 37 because God is giving you a check and you can begin to ask for whatever amount you want on it. Uh, but don't make the mistake that he's talking just money. He's talking about souls. He's talking about harvest. He's talking about true riches. So let's all stand together in this place tonight. Everybody say, ask me. All right. I had to make up a couple of slides, and I'm going to allow them. I know that there are some watching on the live stream tonight. And so the first things we're going to pray for is this. We're going to ask God for forgiveness for self. Maybe you've repented already today. Maybe not. But we're going to do it together. Because if there is sin in our life or a, a, a poor attitude or a wrong motive in our heart, it is a barrier between us and the heavenlies. We're going to ask God for brokenness for our own sin. When's the last time, when's the last time that you wept in the presence of God because of how, how weak and how pathetic you were without the grace of God? I'm sorry, that's an encouraging thought, I know. But every once in a while, we've got to get an accurate picture of the shell of broken humanity that we actually are without God. And it will help us to understand the depth of the riches of his grace toward us. Then we're going to ask God for forgiveness for the sins of the land. Bishops preached some great messages about it. Uh, you can go back on the podcast and listen. If you want to do your own personal study, Deuteronomy chapter 21 would be a great place for you to look, but there have been things committed in this land of South Dakota. There have been injustices and wrongs, and we can say, well, I wasn't the one that did it. Right, you weren't, but they were done 
here. And scripture clearly establishes the principle that even if the elders of the city didn't know who did the deed, they were still required to bring an ox out to the valley. Whatever city was nearest would bring a sacrifice to the valley and they would provide a sacrifice for an unknown sin. They didn't know who did it. They didn't know who was guilty, but they paid a price for it to have that reproach rolled off of them. You can see Ezekiel, you can see Daniel, you can see Nehemiah going through this same pattern. Daniel spends days praying and repenting in sackcloth for the sins of the children of Israel. He wasn't the one worshiping idols, but he's repenting for it and standing in the place of the people. Does that make sense? Is that clear? All right. Okay, good. The next thing we're going to pray for as they put the second slide up there is we're going to ask God to clear away the clouds of doubt. Clear away the clouds of doubt. If there's any shred of doubt in your heart that God wants to loose upon this land of South Dakota and upon the city of Watertown and Millbank and Webster and Brookings and every county and every region in this land, we are going to ask God to let the winds of the Holy Ghost begin to push those clouds out of our life. Uh, We are going to ask God just like that father did. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, uh, but help God me to clear anything out of my heart that is standing between me and faith. We're going to then begin to pray, God, let faith arise in our hearts. In your own words and with your own mouth, out loud, we're going to bind doubt and we're going to loose faith into this place together. Then we're going to pray for compassion and burden for our land. If it's been a while since you wept over the lost 21,482 souls in Watertown, I pray tonight God would lay a fresh burden for souls upon your mind and upon your heart. And then finally, this third slide, we're going to stand boldly in faith, and we're just going to ask him to do exactly what he promised to do in Scripture. We're just going to say, Lord, you said we can ask, so do it. So let it be done. So let it come to pass. When he said, I will increase them with men like a flock, like the flocks of Jerusalem in a solemn feast, we're going to stand and we're going to ask him, God, do what your word says we can have. We're going to ask for laborers to come into the harvest. And then we're going to ask God for open doors of opportunity.